This episode of Mr. Benfica is dedicated in memory of Jose Antonio Reyes Calderon, former Benfica player, tragically killed one week ago on June the 1st, 2019, in a motor vehicle accident on a highway in Spain. My thoughts and prayers are with his family and friends at this difficult time. Memory eternal. Nation, welcome to episode 19 of Mr. Benfica. I am the host, the Mr. Mike Agustinu. Great to be back with everybody again this week. It was great to have a week off with no podcasting next week, actually. It was the first time that I didn't produce anything for an entire weekend uh, since I started doing this. I did, however, on Monday, put together a quick little... um, Mr. Portugal episode, it's available now on the PTB Soccer Network, okay? Um, Just go ahead over where you get your podcast, search PTB Soccer Network, all right? Um, Whether it's Apple uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or another form of uh, of podcasting, another format, I should say, another platform, um, go to one of those and you can find it there. I preview the UEFA Nations League and later today I will be putting out some more content uh, regarding tomorrow's final of the UEFA Nations League Portugal versus the Netherlands. How's everyone doing today? Um, hope everyone's doing well. Um, it's been uh, starting to get withdrawals without Benfica. I don't know about you guys. I'm starting to get some withdrawals. We got some modalidades to keep us going, but uh, right now, you know, uh, it's 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 almost like the weekend comes and it's like, wait, 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 wait. Benfica don't play this weekend. What am I going to do now? <laughs> but uh, I hope everyone's enjoying uh, here in the northern hemisphere, enjoying the beginning of their summer. In the southern hemisphere, I hope you're enjoying the beginning of your winter. Um, not going to talk about much in terms of transfers again. Uh, like I said, uh, nothing is confirmed. Everything is speculation. It changes by the hour. So we're going to stay away from that. Um, today we're going to break down and review the 2018-19 season with a focus on the part of the season where this podcast was not uh, had not started yet. So I'll talk some more about some matches from before I began recording this podcast. Hope you guys enjoy it. All right. Um, uh, and like I said, this this podcast will continue throughout the summer. All right. So stay tuned towards the end of the podcast. I'll tell you what we're talking about next week. All right. Um, I'll give you a little bit of a a sneak peek. We're gonna be watching. We're gonna be talking about a documentary next week, and it is obviously Benfica related. Um, about the greatest Befica, uh legend of all time. So um, 
stay glued to my social media. Stay, uh, keep following me on Twitter at Benfica Mister and on Instagram at Mister Benfica. As I will tweet and post links to the to the documentary, so that next week we can talk about it. All right, so stay right there. Um, we're gonna pay a bill real quick. We're gonna play some Reconquista, and on the back end of Reconquista, we will get right into the news. This is Mr. Befica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho. Yep. Reconquista. Passo a passo, caminho é duro. Temos muita história, mas ainda mais futuro. Dificuldade em cada jornada sofrida A glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso Por direito que não vi Por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força Sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora Nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Até que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós Sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho O vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo so in the news this week, we're going to start with futsal. Uh, Benfica losing game one a week ago, uh, four, five to four after extra time at home. Um, to Sporting, and then went to the Pavilion João Rocha, Sporting's home arena, uh, on Thursday, and they were victorious 6-3, to so the series is tied 1-1, to game 3 is set for June the 9th, Sunday, June the 9th, which is tomorrow. Basketball will be tipping off in the Portuguese League, the LPB Finals against Oliveirense, in just about an hour or so, um, the, the Eagles are looking to retain the championship, but they are. I should say regain the championship as they take on the defending champions, Oliveirense. One week ago, hockey was beaten in the Taça de Portugal finals by that same Oliveirense. Uh, a game I watched and a game I got very frustrated with. Um, Benfica had gone down 2-0. Um, Carlos Nicolia had reduced the scoreline to 2-1, to one, but then after that, it was all Oliveirense. Not a good showing at all for Befica in that game, um, as the northern side ended up lifting the trophy for the first time in a decade. 
News out of the football department this week. Benfica will add a women's B team as of the next season as the club continues to show its dedication and investment in the women's football department. Um, Luis Felipe Vieira announced that this week. The women's B team will play in the second division where Benfica's first team is currently playing. As you know, Benfica already promoted to the first division for next season. Already winners of the Portuguese Cup. The only thing left to do now is to find out who the opponent will be in the second division championship. It will be one week from now. It's likely going to be Sporting Braga B, but they still have one more point to to uh, earn in order to clinch their spot in that um, Division 2 championship game. As uh, Benfica will represent the south section, and they will play the winners of the north. In a two-legged, it'll be a two-legged final. So the first leg will be, I believe, on the road next weekend, and then the following weekend will be the home leg. And lastly, we also, well, not lastly, but we also have Benfica B. It was announced helps Liverpool beat Spurs in the Champions League final. Apologies, of course, to our friend Pete Domican, a big Tottenham supporter. But it has been... um. The press has broken the story that Benfica B went to Spain where Liverpool were engaged in a training camp and Benfica B did a training camp of their own um, playing a closed-door friendly match against Liverpool um, where the Benfica players were mirroring the, the Tottenham team that Liverpool were set to face in the Champions League final. Um, in the report, uh, Coach Renato Paiva uh release some of the details where he was asked to approach the match as Pochettino would have approached it. Um, some of the details, you know, was that Zagomes, for example, was playing as Harry Kane and trying to imitate the movements and the, the, the type of decisions Harry Kane would make. Um, a list of other players were all given assignments such as that one. Um, and Liverpool was very happy with the exercise, and it is said that Jurgen Klopp saw Benfica be playing and thought that they had the perfect characteristics to mirror a Tottenham side. And it ended up helping Liverpool as one week ago they lifted the Champions League trophy in what was probably one of the most, um, I should say one of the least exciting finals of recent memory. Um, the teams looked tired, they looked... They looked like they'd lost some some momentum, like they were out of sync a bit with the long layoff. Um, it was a disappointment of a match for a neutral, but surely Liverpool doesn't care. And I'm sure that the Benfica, the Benfica office and the Benfica players alike were compensated for their services in assisting Liverpool Football Club. Lastly, the last bit of news this week is, is some big news. Former Benfica manager... Jorge Jesus has been appointed manager at Brazilian club Flamengo. That's right, the Mengão have signed JJ. This, to me, is going to be one of the most intriguing things going in the world of soccer this coming uh, you know, summer here in the Northern Hemisphere. As JJ goes to Brazil. JJ, not exactly known for... Uh, his patience um, is going to go adapt to Brazilian football. Now, if you haven't yet, there is a video online, okay, of a Brazilian reporter. His name is escaping me right now. He's absolutely ignorant, just absolutely taking, you know, taking an absolute dump on JJ's career, on his CV, um, saying 
the exact words that really set people off was that he was he said that JJ had only won two titles in the porcaria do futebol português was his exact words, okay? Um, which translates to basically garbage football that is Portuguese, the Portuguese league. Um, what this guy fails to understand is that first of all, JJ has probably a better understanding of Brazilian football than than most managers in Europe. Okay, he went to Brazil to get players all the time. Um, JJ is going to bring a style that will dominate in Spain if his players can adjust and adapt to it. Okay. Um, did I say in Spain? In Brazil, excuse me. It will dominate in Brazil. Okay. They are going to raise the tempo. They're going to raise the pressing. If JJ can get his players to buy into his system, Flamengo are going to shoot themselves straight to the top of the Brasileirão. Okay. Um, I'm interested to see because the personality struggle is going to be very interesting. Will JJ's players adapt to him? Will he be able to adapt to his players? Will they meet in the middle somewhere is the question, okay? It's not a question of quality. JJ has the quality to manage in the Brasileirão. There's no question about that, okay? This reporter, this journalist has no idea how hard it is to win a trophy in Portugal when you are not on one of the big three teams, and he has no idea how hard it is to get yourself a job in one of the big three teams. Why do you think so many Portuguese managers go abroad? P- case in point, Ivo uh, Vieira is the next one. It sounds like he's going abroad. Leonardo Jardim is abroad. Okay, Marco Silva went abroad. Um, Paulo Bento coaches abroad. Okay, Portu- if you're not in one of the big three, and it's very hard to be named the manager of only three teams in an entire country. Um, it's very hard to win trophies in Portugal. So to hold that against him is, is absolutely ignorant. Um, to take Benfica's payroll like JJ did and go to back-to-back Europa League finals is a is a testament of work to him. It is a that is a badge of honor. That is an accomplishment. Okay, uh, to get Benfica past teams like Tottenham and and uh, Juventus and get to those two finals. Okay, so this this reporter in Brazil, had absolutely no idea what he was talking about. But JJ um, is beginning his work very soon. Uh, He arrived in Brazil, I believe, this morning, um, Brazilian time. And it is rumored that he is going to try to bring Jardel with him, Benfica's Jardel, to Flamengo. Also rumored to be headed to Flamengo will be um, Bayern Munich's Rafinha and also... um, that was another player now in the... <laughs> it escapes me who that player was. But there was also another uh, Brazilian player who... Oh, Felipe Luiz of of Atletico Madrid, also rumored to be headed to Flamengo, as those both of those players are at the end of their contracts with their clubs. Um, the reason I bring this up is because JJ has a history with Benfica. He's no longer the manager at Sporting. So um, I found it appropriate to, to update on... On the latest, on a former Benfica manager, all right. Uh, yes, he did. He did betray us and go to our rivals, but it is what it is. Um, he will be managing in Brazil, and like I said, this is going to be very interesting to watch. Uh, I'm not going to talk on any other player transfer rumors at this point. There's just too many rumors, absolutely no substance going around, at least in regard to Benfica players. So that is going to stay off the news section for now as the summer goes on uh we'll get some more confirmed uh transfers and some concrete um signings but 
That is it for the news this week. Stay right there. We're going to start breaking down the 2018-19 Benfica season. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agostino on Twitter at Benfica Mr. and on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. Search on Facebook for Mr. Benfica Two Words and you will find the Facebook page as well. Stay right there. We will be right back. was the Diablos Vermelhos singing Diablos Nunca Te Falham. And that's how we're going to start off the season. Um, we're going to go first with the squad list that finished the season. All right, These are the champions here. We have number one, Svilar. Number two, Conti. Number three, Grimaldo. Number five, Feja. Number six, Ruben Dias. Number seven, Corsia. Number eight, Gabriel. Number ten was Jonas. Number eleven, Franco Cervi. Number 14, Harris Seferovic. Number 15, Yuri Ribeiro. Number 17, Zivkovic. Number 18, Eduardo Salvio. Number 20, Krovinovic. Number 21 was Pizzi. 22, Andreas Samaris. 23, Tyrone Ebue. Number 27 was Rafa Silva. 33 was the captain Jardel. 34, Andre Almeida. 49 was Adel Tarapt. 61, Florentino Luiz, 72, goalkeeper Zlobin, 73, João um, Jota, let's just call him Jota, uh, <laughs> um, 79, it's João Felipe is his real name, Jota is João Felipe, but better known as Jota, and number 79, João Felix, 83, Jetson. 79, uh, 97, excuse me, was Ferro, and number 99 was the keeper, Odie. Okay, so the transfers that came in at the beginning of the season were as follows. Odie came in from Panathinaikos. Tyrone Ebue came in unattached. Uh, Yuri Ribeiro came in from Chihuav. Yerman Conti from Cologne. Chiquinho went out. Uh, he came in and went out in the same transfer window. Chiquinho came in from Academica and went out to Moreirense. Rumor has it he's on his way back. We will wait and see. João Amaral came in from from Vitoria Stubal. He also went out. Uh, Nico Castillo came in from Pumas, the Mexican uh, super, the Mexican Liga MX. He also would leave and go back to the Mexican League to Club America in the January transfer window. Christian Lema came in from Belgrano. Alfa Semedo came in from Morirense. Sebastian Corsia came in on loan from Sevilla. And Gabriel came in from Leganes. Now the outs. So... To start the season, out went Douglas. He went back to Barcelona as a lone returnee. Not sure where they sent him next. Uh, Brian Cristante went to Atalanta 
as a tr- on a full transfer. Ended up being loaned to Roma. Um, probably wishes he was on Atalanta still. Uh, Talishka went to China. Guanzingo Evergrande. Raul Jimenez went on loan to Wolverhampton Wanderers. That would later become a permanent deal at the end of the season. João Carvalho went on a 15 million euro transfer to Nottingham Forest. Diogo Salves was loaned also to Nottingham Forest. Uh, Andrea Orta sold to LAFC of Major League Soccer. Rumor has it, Andrea Orta headed back to Portugal as rumor is Sporting Braga are set to pay 2.5 million US dollars for the contract and services of one Andrea Orta from LAFC. Wait and see what happens there. Um, Paulo Lopes retired, the third string goalkeeper. Eliseu um, left the club. There's no uh, his contract was terminated. His contract ended. Um, João Teixeira went to Chaves on a transfer. Oscar Benitez went to Argentinos Juniors in Argentina on a loan. Andre Carrillo went on loan to Al Hilal in Saudi Arabia. Salvador Agra went on loan to Cadiz in Spain. João Amarel to Lech Poznan on a f- transfer worth an undisclosed fee. Ola John was transferred to Vitoria Guimarães, also on an undisclosed fee. Chiquinho, as I said a little while ago, came in and went out. He went to Moreirense on a transfer for an undisclosed fee, possibly on his way back. Heriberto Tavares was loaned also to Moreirense, while Cesar uh, ended up at Santa Clara. He was just his contract was was not continued, and he went on to Santa Clara. We heard about him last episode in the final match of the season um louis uh louison would retire lisandro lopez would move on to genoa uh, oscar benitez went to atletico san luis in mexico salvador agra to legia warsaw keaton parks would later in Je- this is the january moves now i believe yeah these are the winter moves the last two i i mentioned were winter moves Keaton Parks to New York City FC on loan. Uh, Marcelo Remsch to Cruzeiro on a free transfer. Bruno Varela on loan to Ajax. Lisandro Lopez once again, this time on loan to Boca Juniors. Alfa Semedo went on loan to Espanyol. While uh, Facundo Ferreira also on loan for an 18-month loan worth 2 million euros to Espanyol. And Nico Casillo, as I said, was transferred worth 7 million euros to Club América in Liga MX. Christian Lima went on loan to Peñarol in Uruguay. And then, like I said, Raul Jiménez would be transferred permanently to Wolverhampton Ronders. This is already in the current summer transfer window. That one was worth 38 million euros. And lastly, Luka Jovic. Um, who had been on loan at Eintracht Frankfurt from Befica, would move on a permanent to Real Madrid. Actually, it's still not listed here, but it's been announced that Real Madrid are signing him, and Befica will collect something like 16 million euros for the services of Luka Jovic. So that's the in and outs of the season there, of the of the transfer market. Um, the season started, as most of you know, uh, in the Torneio do Sandino in Portugal, in Stubal, with Stubal fans 
insulting Benfica, uh, a club who went to play in their dumb little preseason tournament for the sole purpose of helping that little club out and helping them stay afloat. And, of course, the the fans of that club, the diehards, thank us by, by insulting Benfica and by calling us what everyone else, you know, what our rivals call us. And I don't know why Benfica lowers themselves to these little tournaments. They don't help us. We go there. We played against... We drew one one with Vitoria Stubal. We played a Croatian team in there too, and and beat them quite easily. We were not at all, and it was not a top Croatian team. It was a team that had just been promoted to the top division in Croatia, and uh, so we started off July thirteenth a one one draw with Vitoria Stubal. That was enough to win the Torneo do Sandin. Um, that's the first match that's recorded here in the in Footmob. Um, on July 21st, we would beat Sevilla 1-0 in a friendly in Spain. Um, and then it was the International Champions Cup in the trip to the United States. Out in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Benfica drew 2-2 with Borussia Dortmund. And they would win in penalty kicks. And, of course, the game match that I was at a few days later, Saturday, July the 28th, Red Bull Arena, Benfica won, Juventus won. Uh, fantastic performance that day by Benfica in some very, very, very high temperatures. However, um, Rui Vittoria, the manager at the time, would, you know, he did not really take that match very seriously and basically had the entire B team and some juniors on the pitch trying to hold a 1-0 lead as uh, Massimo Allegri on the other bench is subbing in guys like Alexandru and guys like uh, like uh, Bernadeschi and guys like that onto the, you know, full full professionals, full internationals onto the pitch, and, and Juventus were able to draw level 1-1, and Juventus would end up winning the penalty shootout on that day. But I think most Befica fans left pretty pleased with the the performance that day. Um, Befica then returned to Portugal. This game was played in the, Al- in the Algarve, and I believe it was the unofficial, um, or maybe it was the official Ozebu Cup game as well. A 3-2 defeat to the hands of Olympique Lyon in Algarve. And then the matches started for real for Befica. It was the Champions League qualifiers in August. August the 7th, Befica at home, 1-0 over Fenerbahce. And then um, Friday, August the 10th, was Befica's first league match. Uh, Befica... 3-2 over Vitória Guimarães in the first league match um, at the Stade de Luz. And as I look into that match, I'll I'll give you a few. Pizzi was the man of the match that day with a hat trick. All right, so Pizzi starting off his season the right way there in August. Um, the next match was a few days later in Turkey. Fenerbahce won, Benfica won. Um, that advanced Benfica to the playoff round of the UEFA Champions League. They would uh, next face Greek uh, side Pawak, okay, of Thessalonica. Thessalonikis. <laughs> Sorry, my Greek is not very good. Um, and that would come up. But before then, there would be a match on Saturday, August the 18th. Benfica 2 nothing over Boavista at the Stadio do Castelo. No, excuse me, the Stadio do Bessa. Once again, Pizzi was the man of the match. Uh, Facundo Ferreira with a 35th minute goal. And then Pizzi in the 62nd minute would would add a goal. Um, and Befica with six points to start the season. Very good start. Like I said, a few days later, Tuesday, August the 21st, Benfica at home draws 1-1 with Pauak. Um, on that night, it was 
another man of the match performance from PZ. PZ got this season started off right. He would score the goal in the 45th minute on a penalty kick. Um, and uh, Benfica would, would surrender a goal in the 76th minute. So they would have to go to Greece on a 1-1 uh, you know, draw and have to win the, the round in the away leg at at uh, Pawok because Pawok would go in with apparently the soon-to-be obsolete away goals uh, lead. Um, Saturday, August 25th was the first big game, so we're going to talk about this one. This is Benfica versus Sporting at the Stadio de Luz, okay? Um, quick, quick run through the lineup that day, okay? So still coached by Rui Vitoria, remember. Benfica put out a 4-3-3. It was Odi in goal, Andre Almeida on the right, Ruben Dias, Jardel, and Grimaldo across the back. The midfield was Pizzi, Feja, and Jetson. Up front, Befica went with Rafa, Fajeda, and Cervi. Sporting would start with Romain Sal- Salin in goal. Across the back, Rivstovski, Koatic, P- Andrea Pinto, and Jefferson. Their three-man midfield. Bataglia in the middle with Bruno Fernandes and Marcus, uh, Marcos Acuna on both sides. Their three of the attack, their start line, starting three up front. Uh, Rafinha, Freddy Montero, who is back in Major League Soccer now, I believe. And Anani, who is also in Major League Soccer. All right. Um, quick look at the match facts in this one. Uh, Sporting's goal scored on a penalty by Nani. If you remember, Bru- um, Ruben Dias was, was guilty of con- conceding the penalty kick in this one. Um and Nani would convert it. And then the 86th minute, um, or I should say the the story begins in the 71st minute. Rui Vitoria having a hard match. He was having a hard time in this match, okay? Uh, nothing was going right. The fans were, were very frustrated. And when all else failed, he threw on two guys that um, at the time looked like he had no idea what he was doing, okay? He threw on in the 71st minute. Harris Seferovic, who had yet to be used at this point, okay? Seferovic didn't even get used in the in the preseason. He was all but set to leave Benfica. Rumor had it he was out before the close of the of the summer transfer window. He brought him on for Fajeda. And when out of options, he turned to the youth. He turned to the kid. Juan Felix came on for Pizzi. And the reason I point to this is this could have been a small turn in a small preview of what was to come in 2018-19 from Benfica because these two would come on. Benfica would start to get more chances. And then Giuseppe Zedo, the manager at uh, at Sporting, would make an error when he would sub off Bruno Fernandes, bring on Radoslav Petrovic okay, in the 79th minute to, to make a defensive substitution. And in the 86th minute, Rafa, with a brilliant cross, a beautiful cross, finds the head of the kid, João Félix. João Félix scores his first goal in Liga Nage, his first goal in the first division, first goal for Benfica's first team, the first of what would become 20 at the end of this season. And Benfica would salvage one point, and it was very, it was a very important point, as we would know later in the season, uh, given how close the season became. Um, had Sporting won this game and taken three points, who knows? The season could have worked out much differently. And Benfica, taking a little momentum from that finish, would go to Greece 
a few nights later, Wednesday, August the 29th, 2018, Benfica away to Pauk in Greece. And we have a 4-1 victory for Benfica in Greece. Okay, the man of the match was Chervi on this night. Uh, Benfica would fall behind on a brilliant goal. I remember this one by Prijovic. All right, assisted by Mauricio. Um, a few minutes later, Jardel would score on an assist from Pizzi. Then a penalty would be awarded to Benfica. Salvio would, would convert the penalty. Pizzi would score in the 39th minute to make a 3-1 on an assist from Servi. And at this point, uh, we were all but assured of headed heading for the Champions League. And it would be sealed in the 49th minute at the start of the second half as Salvio would convert another penalty kick. Okay, And Benfica... On their way to the group stage of the Champions League, that monetarily would be worth a lot. That meant that we did not have to sell Ruben Dias, if you remember the narrative at that time. That failing to qualify for the Champions League would would force Benfica to sell Ruben Dias, who was very close to going to Olympic Lyon. And I remember thinking that that would not have been a great uh, move for for Ruben Diaz because Leon, I think, are a team with a smaller dimension than Mefica, a smaller exposure. Uh, yeah, he'd be in Ligue 1 playing against the Paris Saint-Germain of the world, but I think at Befica, he would w- he has a chance to succeed much better than he would in uh, in Leon, and I'm glad, obviously, that Benfica held on to him. So Benfica qualified for the, for the Champions League. The next match would come at the following weekend. It was Sunday, September 2nd, the last match before an international break. And Benfica win 4-0 over Nacional. Not much to talk about there as uh, the international break would come. On the back end of that international break, it was the Tasa de Liga. And you have Benfica 2-1 over Rio Ave. And I'm going to... St- Stop there for a moment, and we'll talk about the first, basically the first month of the season. Um, we you have Benfica starting off with uh, still trying to find its feet, and Rui Vitoria trying to figure out just exactly what his team is going to look like. Um, Benfica got some good results in there. The play was not as good as the results were showing. He got some big performances from PZ, who really bailed him out at times. And he also got some help, obviously, when he brought in João Félix to bail him out in that Sporting game. Um, the standings at this point, Befica had dropped two points, so they were right there. But um, having qualified for the Champions League, you know, Rui Vitoria kept saying, check, 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 if you remember that, that uh, press conference. He's like, Champions League, check. You know, uh, start the league season with six points, check and so forth. So after that Tasa de Liga match, we go into the month of September, okay? And in September, we start off with a Champions League match, okay? At home to Bayern Munich on Wednesday, September the 19th, and Bayern Munich would win that game 2-0. This game is remembered, of course, for the time that Renato Sanchez scored against us, okay? So Bayern using uh, Renato Sanchez in that game as a first 11 player. And Benfica start the Champions League off in the worst way possible, dropping all three points at home to the group favorites, Bayern Munich. Um, They would rebound, however, on Sunday, September the 23rd, with a 2-0 win at home also to Sportive de Zavge. Um, So the home form or the league form still seems to be there as João Félix would score his second goal of the season on an assist from PZ, as would 
Franco Cervi on an assist from Andre Almeida. Uh, Jonas would find his way into the match in this game. That was notable because Jonas, if you remember, struggled with injuries all season long. Um, but he got a few minutes in that match. But then Thursday, September 27th, on the road in Trajujmont, Benfica dropped two more points. A 2-2 draw away to Shavsh uh, in a game where Rafa was, was the man of the match. Rafa had had two goals in this match. However, Shavsh managed to get two of their own, two from Gervarg uh, Garzanian. Uh, he would score both goals. And Shavsh would steal a point from Benfica. Shavsh, as we know how the season ended for them, they would end up being sent off. Also, Yerman Conti, the Argentinian center back, was sent off in the 87th minute in this match. And Benfica had a quick turnaround because now they had to get themselves ready for a match just a few nights later. Um, maybe about six nights later in Greece against Aika Athens, A-E-K Athens, as they say in English sometimes. Um, Befica pulling out a road, 3-2 victory in Greece. This was a key victory because this victory took us, um, really put us in position to later qualify for the Europa League, okay? Um, which, unfortunately, that's what this game turned into, was a, <laughs> a Europa League qualifying match, these two uh, matches against A-E-K. Goals were scored by Seferovic in the 6th minute and Grimaldo in the 15th. However, uh, Ruben Diaz would see two yellows um, in the 45th, uh, in the 8th minute and another one in the 45th, seeing him sent off in the 45th plus 4. That is when he went off. And AEK would come back. Victor Clonardis, excuse me for the poor Greek, would be the catalyst for the Greek champions at the time as he would lead with two goals, one in the 53rd, one in the 63rd, and bring AEK back. But Alpha Samidal would make himself the hero with a long-range effort in the 74th minute, sealing the three points for the Eagles in Greece. And Benfica would walk away um, and come back to the Liga Nage for the big matchup that I'm now going to talk about. It was the match versus... Football Club do Porto um, at home at the Stadio de Luz on Sunday, October the 7th. That was the sound of Benfica beating Porto 1-0 at the Stadio de Luz 
back on Sunday, October the 7th of 2018. That was what it sounded like on Portuguese radio network TSEF. Um, the goal scored by Harris Seferovic. And this was Seferovic starting to turn his luck around, starting to turn out to be one of the key guys in this season. Um, this was a big game for Benfica, big win because they had not been playing well. Despite the, the result on the road in Greece and despite... Some of the victories thus far in the league, they had not been playing well. And the Shavs match just a, you know, a week and a half earlier was indication of that. And this is heading into the October international break. And therefore, Benfica really, really needed to get this, this result. Um, Porto at the time, you know, was had the chance to run away with the league, if you would. Um, if Porto had come into Stadio Luz and gotten a win, I think they could have put themselves out of touch and out of distance even already in October. Um, as it was, Porto did get quite a lead on Benfica. Um, but this this match proved to be crucial, crucial, absolutely crucial, especially in the head-to-head battle going into a later match with Porto later in the season. So it was 1-0 to Benfica that Sunday. Goal, of course, scored by Seferovic. The man of the match on that day was Ruben Diaz. And we're going to go really quickly with uh, the lineup for this match, okay? We'll start with Porto, who were coached, of course, by Sergio Conceição, playing in a 4-4-2. Iker Casillas was the goalie. Across the back, they had Maxi Pereira, Eder Militão, Philippe, and Alex Telsch. Their four-man midfield, uh, starting with, uh, starting on the left, Brahimi, uh, Danilo, Hector Herrera, and Octavio and their two forwards, um, Moasa Marega and Tiquinho Suarez. Um, Benfica would also play in a 4-4-2 on this one, and Odie would be in goal across the back. It would be Andre Almeida, Christian Lema, Ruben Diaz, and Alex Grimaldo. Um, in the four-man midfield, you had Salvio on the right, uh, Pizzi playing inside with Feja and Franco Cherry playing on the left. Up front, Seferovic and this Gabriel. Wow. Rui Vitoria really played Gabriel at forward in this match? That that <laughs> that's got me a little bit shocked. I, I don't remember that part. Um I hardly remember Gabriel before Bruno Lage arrived. But that was the lineup on the day, okay? And uh the goal was scored. As we said, it was the 62nd minute by Seferovic on an assist from PZ. And it was PZ ball did come. His assist did come on a long ball sent by my man, Gabriel. I haven't been able to say that in a few weeks uh, since he's been injured. But I always say that behind every assist if is a ball knocked by Gabriel. When Gabriel is in the team, behind every assist, the Previous play to every assist seems to be the ball from Gabriel. That was the case on this day in October. Benfica wins 1-0. Um, and memorable was Sergio Conceição walking off the pitch uh, at the Luge with fans kind of taunting him, Benfica fans kind of taunting him. And he looks at them, and you can read his lips, and he says, Em maio fazemos as contas. In May, we'll, we'll, we'll tally it up. Which, these were words that would come back to haunt the Porto manager for sure. Um, because in May, we all know now who was on top. Um, so Benfica would go into that international break with a, uh, you know, on a high. And um, I remember distinctly thinking this because I wasn't doing the podcast yet at this point. But I remember distinctly thinking that... Um, we're just turning it around. An international break right now could be the worst possible thing. 
And it uh, it proved to be because this next group of matches, okay, um, this next group really, you know what, we're going to take a break before we hit this next group of matches because this is a category in and of its own. Um, so we're going to take a break. Stay right there. We'll be right back before we hit this important uh portion of the season this is mr benfica i am the mr mike agostino find me on twitter at benfica mr and on instagram at mr benfica welcome back to mr benfica this is episode 19 and we are reviewing the 2018-19 season and uh we're gonna hit now the part of the season that i think everybody wants to forget this is the toughest part of the season here we're starting on tuesday october the 23rd at the johan cruyff arena in amsterdam against a team that at the time we had no idea how good this team was um Benfica would drop a 1-0 decision on the road to Ajax, okay? And um, as the season would play out, we'd find out just how good Ajax actually is. But on the day, the man of the match would be Frankie de Jong. Let's go through the lineups for this one. And actually, the lineups are not available for this one, so never mind. The goal was scored in the 90th plus 3. This was a heartbreak. This is something that I think started to turn the fortunes for Benfica. And let me tell you, the lineup is actually available. And let's start with Ajax playing in a 4-3-3. Andre Onana in goal. Uh, Noor Seer Mazarui uh, was the right back. Ma- Mathis Delight was the center back along with Daly Blind. And Nicolas Tagliafico was the left back. Donny van der Beek, Lasse Skone, and Frankie de Jong made up the three-man midfield. And Hakim Zayek. Kasper Dolberg and Dusan Tadic were the three men in the attack. Ladies and gentlemen, this this IX team would go on to be uh, a mere seconds from the Champions League final. Okay, perhaps they weren't playing at that level just yet at this point in the season. But um, Benfica played well in this match, if I remember correctly, and were just undone with, with some bad luck and some heartbreak and some letdown late in the matches. Ajax would steal three points in in stoppage time. And I think that really had a psychological effect on Benfica because just a few days later, Saturday, October 27th, Benfica would visit Bulanish Sad, Code City, as I've called them, and as many have called them, at the Stadio Nacional at the Jamur um, in a night where the atmosphere was absolutely horrendous. Um, most of the stadium was, was not filled. It was not a good match at all. Benfica lose 2-0 that day, dropping points. And now uh, Benfica would have to have a turnaround because they would play a team that was starting to pick up some some speed and a team that would go on to really capture uh, a lot of headlines this season in the Liga Nage. So on Friday, November 2nd, Benfica hosts Moreirense. Let's go through that lineup really quickly. Um, Moreirense would come in to the Stadio de Luge with the following lineup, playing in a 4-2-3-1 for Ivo Vieira. Jonathan was the goalkeeper. Across the back, Anthony Delberto, uh, Mohamed Arbaruni, Ivanildo Fernandes, and Ruben Lima. Two-man, double-pivot midfield, Fabio Pacheco and Mamadou Nedai up front, uh, or I should say, a three-man midfield in front of those two holding mids was Pedro Nunu, Chiquinho, and Arsenio. And the striker was Nene. Arsenio, I, excuse me, um, 
Arsenio was the man of the match with a 9.4 rating. Chiquinho with a goal. Pedro Nuno with the goal. And Nadai with the goal. Jonas would score for Benfica. This is how Benfica would line up in this one. Vlacodimos in goal. Andre Almeida, Ruben Dias, and Jardel. Jardel would see a red card in this match. Benfica would be reduced to 10. Grimaldo. Feja playing in the hole as a true number six with four in front of him. Rafa Silva, Pizzi, Jetson, and João Felix all behind Jonas. And um, this was not a formation that worked very well, as you can see. As the game would end 2-0, um, I don't know why I had said that that Jonas would have a goal. Because for whatever reason, the app shows a, a ball, a, a goal mark next to next to. Uh, Next to Jonas. Here's the goal scorers in that game. I misspoke earlier. Um, the man of the match was... At, actually, I'm looking at... I apologize. Um, I went to the wrong game there. Okay, let's get back to Morinist. That was the 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 Bolinist Sad match that I was looking at. Okay, man of the match, like I had said. Apologies for this uh, lack of professionalism. <laughs> man of the match was Arsenio from, from Morinist. Befica would score first. Jonas would score on an assist from João Felix in the second minute. But then... Chiquinho would tie it up in the 5th minute on an assist from Arsenio. Paulo Nunu in the 16th minute. Again, Arsenio with the assist. And the die in the 36th minute would make it 3-1. to one. Jonas would, would uh, see a yellow card in the 55th. Ruben Diaz a yellow card in the 74th. Jardel the straight red in the 76th. This was round 9 of the, the Liga Nage. And Benfica suffer their second defeat in a row. Their first defeat at home. Um... No time for crying over spilt milk, though, because Benfica, a few nights later, had a, a massive Champions League match at home. Benfica hosting Ajax Wednesday, November the 7th. And um, Benfica giving another good effort. Um, and Jonas would be on the board early. Jonas would score in the 29th. Okay, so Jonas finding some form. But in the 61st, Tadic would uh, bring the guests level. It'd be 1-1. And after, even after four minutes of added time, Benfica could not find a winner. And pretty much at this point, Benfica eliminated from the Champions League, basically losing any any chance of going to the round of 16. Benfica would play again just a few days later, Sunday, November the 11th, on the road at Tondela. Benfica 3-1 winners on the day. Okay, and on that day, Andre Almeida would be the man of the match. Goals from Jonas... Seferovic and Rafa. And Benfica getting their first league win in two tries um, after dropping six points in back-to-back -back weeks. After that match, Benfica would play in the Taça de Portugal against Roca. Benfica pulling off a 2-1 victory in a match where they did not play well. Benfica gets a goal from uh, Jonas. They did, however, fall behind early. 19th minute, Roca. Roca would go ahead 1-0 on a goal from Andrea Bukia. And in the 90th minute, Rafa would save the day with a goal and and put Benfica through to round five of the Taça de Portugal. This game was notable for me because I remember not not long before this match, watching Benfica be absolutely wipe the floor with this exact Aroca team. And I remember my father telling me, and my father, I always say, knows more than I do. Okay, he's the original mister. And he said to me, he said, there's a kid in the B team named Florentino Luis. He goes, he was the he was better than anybody on the A team against this same team. Okay? Um and that name Florentino Luis would come 
everyone would know that name a few months later. Um, but that was the first time, you know, my pops told me about this kid, Florentino Luis. I went back, I watched some B-team games, and um, yes, 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 I saw something. But Benfica's uh, up would be short-lived because on Tuesday, November 27th, on the road at the Allianz Arena in Munich, Bayern München 5, Benfica 1. And this is the match where everybody wanted to, to see Rui Vitorius act. Um the the overall it was hanging over now. Rui Vitoria's future, match after match at this point, is the only talking point. Okay. Benfiquistas wanted him gone. Okay. Um the the supporters groups wanted him gone at this point. And at this point, I remember thinking that whether you want to keep him or not, it was pretty much becoming an impossible environment for a manager to work in. It's, say what you want about his managerial abilities. Okay, there was plenty of flaws in his in his management. There was plenty of flaws in his coaching. But there's no uh, there comes a point when the criticism and the backlash gets to be so strong that no manager can really work in those conditions. And Rui Vitari is getting very close to that point here. Um, he does manage to get a 4-0 win at home against Ferenc on December the 1st. All right. And um, December the 5th in the League Cup, Benfica at home win 2-0 to Passos de Ferreira. Benfica, I believe that pretty much seals their spot in the Final Four for the Taça da Liga. Um, and then the next week on the road against Vitoria Stubal in the League, December the 8th, Benfica win 1-0 on the road. Pick up three more points, saving Hui Vitoria's job for another week. Jonas, um, as he did so many times, bailing out Hui Vitoria. Um, Wednesday, December 12th, Benfica host AEK Athens. They win 1-0. They would get a goal on that night from none other than Grimaldo in the 88th minute. That goal puts Benfica through to the Europa League for sure. Um, quick turnaround from that. Wednesday, December 16th, uh, after flying to Madeira, Benfica come out with a 1-0 victory on the road at Maritimo. Um, big, big three points. Again, saving Rui Vitoria's uh, Rui Vitoria's job for another week, and you know, somewhere in this point is where um, is where we thought Vitoria was out. You know, the Benfica podcast even issued <laughs> they even published a a special edition, a special podcast episode, um, almost celebratory, as it was the end of the Rui Vitoria era. Era, excuse me. I guess you could say it was a Rui Vitoria error as well. And um, on the next day, that's when the famous um, ridiculousness came out. That, that Luis Felipe Vieira went to sleep and he saw a light. And he was told by a stronger force to continue and to press on with Rui Vitoria. I think we found out later. The truth was he didn't want to pay Rui Vitoria his, his buyout clause you know, to, to, to let him go. So basically, the president needed more time to find another job for the manager. I think that's what's that's my personal. I have nothing to base that opinion on other than speculation. But that's my gut instinct as to what happened that day. Is that two things? Who, um, Luis Felipe Vieira a thought he had somewhere to send Rui Vitoria so he wouldn't have to pay the buyout clause. And B, I think Luis Felipe Vieira thought he had Jorge Jesus signed to return. I remember thinking at this time we were going to get Jorge Jesus back. And I remember things were so bad that I was I was thinking to myself, you know, uh, I'll take it. At least, you know, we didn't play the brand of football that I always liked to see, but we got the results. 
Um, and like I said in the news segment today, Jorge Jesus has got a new job now. Jorge Jesus is on his way to Flamengo in Brazil. And I do want to see success for him, not just for him, um, not just because he was at Benfica, because, as you know, there's still hard feelings with him. But as a Portuguese manager, I'd love to see a Portuguese manager um, just – just every time the Portuguese managers succeed outside of Portugal, you know, in, in, in different countries, different continents, different environments, um, just like I like seeing Pedro Caixinha uh, succeed in Mexico, I'd love to see Jorge Jesus go to Brazil and succeed there and give a real good account for Portuguese coaches in in the world, you know, if you can do it in Brazil, you, you're going to raise the level of, of respect, perhaps, that the Brazilian soccer uh, people will have for our football people and our coaching and our um, our league even as a place of developing coaches and players. Um, that was when the famous <laughs> light came. And on the back end of that light was a Wednesday night absolutely horrendous performance. It was a Taça de Portugal Wednesday night in Trajos Montes against... Uh, Clube Desportivo Montalegre, Montalegre of the Campeonato Nacional de Portugal, Benfica would play an abysmal, abysmal game that night, um, only surviving on a 31st minute goal from Yerman Conti, but unable to really impress against the amateur side. And Benfica do advance in the Taça de Portugal, but not before being, you know, somewhat humiliated by the amateur side from Montalegre. That weekend, Benfica would then host Braga in a game where most Benficistas, I think, had little hope because um, Rui Vitori was still the manager, and there was a lot of people unhappy about that. And as we pull it up, I'll go into the lineup for this one. Starting with Braga, coached by Abel, of course. Tiago Sá was the goalkeeper. Uh, Braga's 4-4-2, the four across the back, Marcelo Goiano, Bruno Viana, Pablo, and Nuno Sequeira. Ricardo Horta, Claudomir, Franz Sergio, and Ricardo Esgaio make up the midfield with Paulinho and the, at that time, very on form, Diego Souza playing in the front. Benfica, on the other hand, would start with a 4-3-3, which is Rui Vitória's bread and butter. Um... Odi Vlacodimos in goal, Andre Almeida, Ruben Dias, Jardel, and Grimaldo. The back line. This is uh, this is the beginnings of what would become, um, you know, the standard back line for the next section of the season, if you would. The midfield are Feja, Pizzi, and Jetson Fernandes. Up front, Zivkovic, Jonas, and Chervi. And the interesting thing about this match, and if you don't remember the final result, Benfica 6, Braga 2. Um, this is Rui Vitória's last victory um, and probably one of his better victories in his time with Benfica if, the interesting thing about this and I mentioned this when we, when we talked about the match away to Braga when we did a little preview of it a few weeks back um, was that Zivkovic was the man of the match in this game Zivkovic earning a 9.0 rating here on Footmob goals scored and I'm going to give you the goal scorers for that day it was Pizzi, Jardel, Grimaldo, and then uh, Diego Souza for Braga, Jonas, Servi, and Andre Almeida. So you have six different goal scorers out of these six goals. This was a solid performance from Benfica. Um, unfortunately, it looked like it just seemed to be a little blip in what was a poor run of form because in the next round, or I should say in the next weekend, it was League Cup. Benfica already um, guaranteeing their place in the Final Four of the League Cup. 
draw 1-1 on the road to Avj. And then the following Wednesday in the league, Wednesday, January 2nd, it was the night the season turned around, in my opinion. Benfica on the road at Portimones, beaten 2-0 on two own goals, okay? Benfica beaten 2-0 on two own goals in Portimão. Um, both own goal, an own goal from Ruben Dias and another from Jardel in the 12th and 38th minute. And that would be the end of Rui Vitória. Rui Vitória would be sacked and B-team coach Bruno Lage promoted as interim manager after this match. And I remember wanting Bruno Lage to be promoted the previous time we thought that Rui Vitória had been sacked. So there was also a lot of doubt as to if the sacking was actually true, if Rui Vitória was in fact sacked. It, um, as the days would roll on, we'd find out that Rui Vitória now um, would become the manager of of his club there in, in of Al Hassan in Saudi Arabia, and that's when it clicked in my head that Bruno that Luis Vieira couldn't sack him earlier because he did not have a place to send him because he did not want to pay the man's exit clause upon um, terminating the contract. It looks like he found him work, and he had the result to justify the sacking, and there it was. So that was midweek on Sunday, only four days to prepare for his first match as manager. Bruno Lage takes over. Benfica versus Hiwav. This is the beginning of the turnaround. This is really the memor- a memorable game for me in this season because I remember watching it. And as Benfica fall behind 2-0 on goals from Gabriel Zin and Bruno Moreira, um, I remember not being worried for some reason. I mean, and the crowd also didn't seem worried. And we also saw the Tarja uh, unveiled <laughs> from the no-name boys saying, Agora só falta o presidente. Meaning, on, in translation, now only the president remains, essentially. It's not a direct translation, but it's it's what they mean by it. And um, <laughs> basically calling for Luis Vieira to leave. But... Um, of course, Luis Vieira strikes gold. He wins the lottery by appointing Bruno Lage as manager. And um, I remember just not worried, being worried when we were down 2-0. Two, two Benfica were playing well, even though they were down 2-0. And they were playing a style and with a confidence and a pace that we hadn't seen under Rui Vitória. Rui Vitória played a very methodical, very... Um, strict, very uh, rigid system of players playing positions and holding form at all costs. A much more free, uh, free-flowing form from Bruno Lage comes into play. And in the 27th minute, Seferovic would would score. In the 31st minute, João Felix would draw the game, the match level. And at this point, I was pretty excited. I knew we were in good, we were looking good, and, and things were going to turn around. I had no no idea we'd go on to win the league, but I knew we were finally going to be a good team and we were going to build, if nothing, towards, you know, getting back into a Champions League spot. Because remember, at this point, we're seven points behind Porto and in fourth place. Um, I knew that this was this was the start of a turnaround. I could not have, have guessed that we were going to win the go on to win the league. I knew Porto would have to have some sort of a collapse and we would have to have a historic rest of the season. And uh, in the 64th, João Felix would score again, this time assisted by Zivkovic. And Safarovic would make it 4-2 on the 70th minute. Closing out the match, three points for Benfica. And Benfica would go on a run that would last a Friday, January 11th, on the road. 
Benfica at Santa Clara. This was a game that had some polemica due to the scheduling. Uh, Benfica being scheduled for a Friday night for a match where you had a ton of traveling supporters and uh, charters supported by the league, by sponsors of the league, from both the mainland and from here in North America. Azorian Americans wanting to go watch Benfica play in the Azores. Of course, the league moves the match to Friday night causing people to be stuck with plane tickets landing after landing on Friday night after the match had, or I should say landing Saturday morning after the match had already played, basically spending their money to go see Benfica in, not in the game having already been played. Really, really remember, you know, the, the criticism both from Alfredo on the Benfica podcast and from Amador on Simply Benfica at the time, both really, really... Um, criticizing the league, and I, I agree 100% with everything they said. And I'd go on, my podcast is, <laughs> the start of my podcast is coming up in the near future. Um, we're, we're about a month away from where I started to to record. But, um, yeah, I would go on to say, well, everyone who's listened to the any of the past 18 episodes of this podcast know how I feel about the league and its organization and how it conducts business. Um, but Benfica would go to the Azores, win 2-0. Uh, Tuesday, January 15th, was the first of, of two games in three days in Guimarães. Benfica in the Portuguese Cup, winning 1-0 on the road at Guimarães. This was a quarterfinal match, putting Benfica in the semifinals for the Taça de Portugal. Um, and let's go quickly, and I'll give you the goal score. It was João Félix in the 14th minute. Benfica holds on. Guimarães with a fantastic uh, performance in this game. And with fantastic support, uh, the Stadio Dom Afonso Riques in Guimarães, one of the one of the great um, stadiums and one of the few where Benfica do not get a majority uh, of the fans, okay? One of the few teams that can fill a stadium with its own fans against Benfica. Um Three days later, Befica would play Vitoria Guimarães again 1-0 in the league. And that would set up the final four of the League Cup. Okay, so we go to January 22nd, Tuesday, January 22nd. I remember playing hooky from school. Uh, from school, no. I'm 36 years old. I haven't been to school in, in, in almost 20 years. But, um, no, I remember playing hooky from work that day. I called out and I went into a... McDonald's with my cell phone got on that Wi-Fi. I watched this match. Okay, I uh, I le- or I should I believe I left work early. I left at lunch so I could watch this match. Um, and I remember we all know how this match went. Um, Benfica would lose three to one on the in the match that was absolutely marred by the failure of VAR to do its job correctly, and in a game that was an absolute uh, robbery. There's no question. You know. Uh, Portiches talk to this day that we were carried in the league from Jovadro, Col, Colinho, blah blah blah. You know that the, you know that the referees were working for us. This game was a clear opposite of anything they could possibly accuse because this was a return to a Pito Dorado. Benfica leveled the match two two. Okay, uh, they go to the VAR, shows the Benfica player, I believe it was Rafa, onside. And somehow they still call it offside. They overturn a goal where there's absolutely no evidence to do so. This was the worst use implementation, worst use of video assistant referee that I have seen since the technology has been uh, in use. Also earlier, Brahimi scores a goal on a play that should have been a foul. Gabriel fouled by Oliver, you know, and then the follow-up to the to that what should have been a foul leads to a goal. Of course. 
Um, Svilar in goal didn't help in that one. He was out of position, allowing um, allowing Brahimi to score. Marega and then Fernando Andrade would would seal it in the 86th minute, making it three to one to Porto at a time when Benfica had risked everything and they had uh, only three at the back and they were attacking uh, down the flanks. A quick counterattack led to Porto winning three to one, and. Um, that was a, that is also a key match for me because even though Benfica lost, Benfica showed just how good they were. And under Bruno Lage, you could see that Benfica had a better team. They had a better eleven than Porto. I could see it at that point. I said to myself, "All right, we lose today, but when we go to Tergão, we're gonna win. We have a good chance to win that game." I said it at that point. I had a feeling we had a good chance to win when we traveled to the Dergão. Um But before then, we had some matches to play. So Tuesday. January 29th, Benfica 5, Bovista 1. Sunday, February 3rd is the first match caught by my podcast, okay? You can go back in the archives. It is back in there. If you go to Anchor and you go to the bottom of the archives, Episode 1 is back in its entirety, okay? I did recover it. The Benfica 4, Sporting 2. Um, a few days later, Benfica 2, Sporting 1. After that was the historic 10-0 victory. You can hear about all of these games now in past podcasts. So I'm going to spend less time breaking down the matches. But here you see Benfica now starting to go on a run. Okay. And Benfica have their first game since the Porto match. They do not win on Thursday, February 21st. A 0-0 draw at home to Galatasaray. Um, but that was after having gone on the road to Galatasaray with baby Benfica. Another... another uh, signature moment of the season when Bruno Lage put 11 Portuguese players on the field, 11 uh, Benfica products on the, or I should say, I don't think they were all 11 Portuguese. I can uh, bring up the lineup, I believe. Let's see here. Um, Benfica went into, into a place where Portuguese, where Benfica had never won in Turkey. And they went with the baby Benfica. Um, they played with Vlacodimos in goal Korsia, uh, Diaz, Ferro, Yuri Ribeiro, uh, Eduardo Salvio, Jetson, Florentino Luiz debuting, and Franco Cervi up front was Felix and Seferovic. So this was baby Benfica because all of the academy players were in the in the line were in the lineup for this match. All of the ones that had as to that point debuted. So you have Diaz, you have Yuri Ribeiro, Ferro, Florentino, Jetson. And João Felix as the academy players that are now in the first team. Um, it wasn't that they were all Portuguese, but there were two, three. There were six Portuguese players in the team. That's the most. Um, that's many more than our rivals have put on the field in the last several years. Benfica would win two to one on the road there, and then the return leg would be a nil-nil draw at home. But that's all Benfica needed to advance. And um, in that match, it would be much of the same, except Andre Almeida and Grimaldo would be moved back into the lineup. Florentino Luiz would return to the lineup. And at this point, we knew we had someone in Florentino. This is a name I mentioned, you know, a little while ago uh, about how he was playing at that time in the B team. And then he debuts. Um, on my birthday, on my 36th birthday now, Monday, February 25th, Benfica 4, Shavj 0. This was a very happy day for me. 
Um, Benfica winning, of course. This was the last match before the trip to the Dragon. And the man of the match that day on my birthday was my man, Gabriel. That's right, Gabriel, my man right there. The guy that I talk about all the time. The guy who does the little things that never get noticed on this day. He was the man of the match with an 8.5 rating. Goals scored by Rafa, João Felix, Seferovic, and Jonas. And that brings us to the Stadio do Dragon, the, <laughs> the Paso Doble, a Porto, a Puerto. Remember I, how many times I called them Puerto in that match um, as the, the Spanish Giants, Football Club do Puerto, <laughs> took on Benfica. Uh, Benfica would, of course, win 2-1. to one. I don't have to touch too much on this. Uh, we know how this game went. And like I said, go back and catch Paso Doble, Paso Doble al Puerto. Uh, that episode um, is I talked about this match. Um, in the next, of course, Benfica now uh, a a pattern starts to form after Benfica beats Porto. They seem to drop off a little bit. It happened in the first half of the season, and in the second half of the season, the very next match, the very next Thursday, March the seventh, on the road in Croatia at Zagreb, Benfica lose 1-0 to Dinamo Zagreb in a game and I remember people being very upset with the performance that day and I remember saying uh, I was ready for Benfica to exit the the Europa League at this time because Benfica are now in first place okay after beating Porto Benfica have gone into first place and at this point I really felt we needed to put all of our eggs in that Liga basket okay I know I had a very unpopular opinion. Benfica wanted the Europa League. I wasn't sure we were deep enough. We're, we're piling on injuries. We're getting suspensions. You know, we're playing with beat team players out of necessity. Yes, they turned out to work out for us. But it wasn't because we were, um, you know, it wasn't because we didn't go get them because we wanted to. We went because we had to. We were out of our options. And Bruno Lage deserves credit for trusting them. But keep in fact, the keep in mind the fact that he really needed to, to use these guys. So we dropped that decision. The very next day, a Monday, March 11th, I remember this game like it was yesterday, up 2-0. We draw 2-2 to Code City, the future Red Bull Lisboa, perhaps. Maybe that'll be their team name someday. Um, Bullinish Saad. Um, in a, a tough night and a night where Benfica's youth uh, stuck out like a sore thumb. A night where um, we allowed Porto back, you know, to draw level with us. We were ahead, though, on the head-to-head. Remember I said that that win on the road, uh, the win at home first against Porto was super important. That's because it allowed us to go into into Porto with the chance to, to seal up a head-to-head victory. Um, because that is, despite the Goal TV commentators, you know, all season talking about the goal difference as the two teams had the same number of points for weeks on end. They talked about the goal difference. The actual first tiebreaker was the head-to-head. Befica had the head-to-head, um, and that couldn't be taken away from them at, point, at that point. They played two matches, won two matches. Befica would still be in first place. They would also turn it around on Thursday, March 14th, 3-0 extra time victory over Dinamo Zagreb. Sunday, March 17th, the famous game of whether or not that ball went into Odie's goal or it was behind the goal, the mirage, if you will, that the camera created. Morenes uh, 0, excuse me, Benfica 4. Um, the following week was the late winner from Seferovic for Benfica to pull out a 1-0 victory against Tondela. Uh, 
Wednesday, April 3rd, Benfica eliminated from the Taça de Portugal on away goals uh, to Sporting on a goal from Bruno Fernandes. I talked about that when we were there. Um, you know, that... You know, Benfica didn't do well with with a lead going into second legs in either competition um, that they were playing in at that time. But also, Benfica were hard done by the away goals rule, which I understand is going to be not in existence anymore in the very near future, perhaps next season already. So it's interesting to wonder that had that rule not been in place, had Benfica gone on to either win an extra time or win a penalty shootout, would we... Would we still look at these two comp competitions the same? Could Benfica have gone on? And I also did want to say, um, we're going to get to the Eintracht Frankfurt series in a few moments. Um, so I'll, I'll save what I was going to say for that point. But before we get to Eintracht, Benfica on the road winning 4-1 to at Ferenc. Um, another game uh, marred by some Avar controversy. I've already said what I thought about it. I've already said um, how I thought it was handled, whether or not I thought you know the, the referee got it right. It's in the archives again. Uh, you can go back, listen to these episodes um, if you want to hear you know what I thought at that time. Um, then Befica play a very good home leg, but but winning four to two over Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, in a match where João Felix just announced himself to Europe, um, the next day the headlines were were all over the media, all over Europe about this kid. Um, however, I remember saying that those two away goals that they gave up could prove to be very costly. I said it sets up a very dangerous a second leg. Before we get to the second leg, Benfica beat Vitória Stubel four to two at home, and also. Going back to the 1-0 loss to Sporting, the important part to take from this, more so than the exit from the Tasset Portugal, is the injury to Gabriel. So you see the, you heard the number of clean sheets I read off, you know, when Gabriel was in the lineup. Like I say, my man, Gabriel. <laughs> um, but from that game forward, Benfica do not register another clean sheet until uh, Monday, April 22nd. So we go through... Five straight, five, six straight matches where Benfica surrender goals. And it starts with Eintracht Frankfurt. It's the same 4-2 result against Vitoria Stuhl. On Thursday, April 18th, Benfica go on the road to Eintracht with great support, but really lay an egg. Um, they lose 2-0 on the road. They go out on away goals. And it was a match that was possibly mismanaged by Bruno Leij. Um I also said... The club, I don't think, gave any importance to this competition. I, I was saying that I didn't mind if they go out of this competition. And here's why. Let's talk about Eintracht Frankfurt for a second. Okay, Eintracht Frankfurt, at this time, were in the Champions League positions in the Bundesliga. Okay, they found their way into the semifinals of the Champions League, of the, excuse me, of the Europa League. The wear and tear on Eintracht Frankfurt over the next couple of weeks would cost them dearly as Eintracht Frankfurt would would lose in penalties, if I'm not mistaken, to Chelsea um, and end up losing their Europa League dream and in the process dropping points almost every week you know, in the Bundesliga and they would finish the season in 5th place or 6th place outside of the Champions League positions. And really, Eintracht ended, uh, ended the season with... Absolutely nothing. This was exactly what I feared for Benfica. Every round that we advanced in Europa with this group, with this very small, limited group, with this, you know, limited options that we had 
in terms of player personnel. Um, with all the injuries, with the fact that we had you know transferred away two strikers in January, we were left with only Jonas and Seferovic. Jonas unable really to put in a 90-minute performance, and you know he's just at that point in his career where he's not capable of that, and it would leave us very thin for a run on all fronts. I was upset about the Tasa Portugal exit, less upset about the Europa League cuz I just didn't see us getting by Chelsea first of all and even if and I just I didn't want to lose any more points in the league. We were level on points with Porto. I didn't believe at this time Porto would drop any more points. Um it was hard to believe that they would. They would later on as you know. Um, but before that, April 22nd is the first clean sheet in a while. Like I said, Befica 6, Maritimo 0. That was the game that was marred, or I should say remembered by our rivals for Maritimo's coach at the time, Petit, announcing he was going to be resting players for their important match against Tondela the following week. He wasn't going to let anyone risk getting a yellow card suspension. It worked out for Maritimo. Yes, they lost 6-0 on the day to us, but they ended up beating Tondela. Maritimo ended up guaranteeing safety for Petit. Petit no longer the manager at Maritimo. Um, he did he did leave at the end of the season feeling that his work there was done. Maritimo brought in one of my favorite young coaches, Nuno Manta. Um, Nuno Manta Sanz, um, who was formerly the coach of Feirense. So I'm excited to see what he can do at Maritimo next season. Um, the next game, okay... Sunday, April the 28th. This is an important one because this is the day after Porto drop two points in the last five minutes at Riuav against, or I should say in Vila do Conde against Riuav. This was the famous um, the famous weekend where the video surfaced of Makaku Marega insulting the, the Porto players and taking ripping his shirt off and, and cocking his fists ready to go at him with Sergio Conceição just looking at him and saying, what do you want me to do? You know, as uh, Port, the pressure got to Porto before it did Benfica. Benfica did, you know, we're showing a lot of signs of pressure at this point in the season. Each game was a struggle to get a result. Um, they weren't playing the same fantastic, you know, dynamic, free-flowing football they were playing when Bruno Lage first took over. They were struggling a little bit more. However, at this point in the season... Um, you know, it's all about the results. And Porto cracked in the last five minutes of a match, allowing Riuav to come back with two goals and um, steal two points or steal a point and take two points from Porto. And Benfica would go into Braga with the chance of getting a two-point lead. And Benfica would turn around, beat Braga 4-1 to one in another game that had some controversy. Um, but... In reality, I I talked about it. There, there really was no controversy. It was the desperation at this point of our rivals feeling the title slip away and trying to find anything to blame other than themselves. Um, Saturday, May fourth was five was Benfica five, Portimonense one, and now the 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 title was four points away. Um, and you could in the shouts of you know Damu Trinti set. We could feel it at this point. And at this point, you know, our rivals were also beginning to uh, crack. They were playing well, but they knew it was out of their hands. And they were using the media and things like that to try to destabilize the Benfica team, the young Benfica team, um, as they head in to the final uh, matches. Um, Sunday, May 12th, Mother's Day, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, here in the United States, Riuav 2, Benfica 3. This was a big one. Um, 
Benfica, hang on. As Hiwav did start to mount a comeback on them, just like they had on Porto, but Benfica get the extra goal. Again, controversial second goal from Benfica. Um, controversial because there may have been a foul earlier. However, it was not a penalty kick. Okay, so by the rules of the VAR, it was not a penalty kick. The, the play continues. Okay, if there had been a foul in that play, it would have been out of the area, not in the area. Yeah, Portistas can in invent these rules, and Sportingistas invented these rules where how it could possibly have been a foul out of the area, but because, you know, they came up with these all these inventions of how that could still be a penalty kick. It was not a penalty kick. Benfica go the other way. No offside on the play. Clean goal. Okay. Get over it, Porto. It was a clean goal. Benfica win 3-2. And lastly, the uh, the match we covered in the in the previous episode, Benfica 4, Santa Clara 1. Benfica, champions for the 37th time. That is the 2018-19 season in a nutshell. Um, the final standings, as uh, we, we read them last week, let's go to them and... Um, We'll go over the final statistics as well. So in the final standings, Benfica finished first with 28 wins, 3 draws, 3 defeats. Good for 87 points. A record 103 goals scored, 31 allowed. Porto second, 27 wins, 4 draws, 3 defeats, 85 points. Sporting Third on 74 points. Braga, fourth, 67 points. Vitória Guimarães winning out the fifth place. I had a touch on this briefly. Um, they will go to the Europa League on merit and not because Morirens did not register properly or failed to obtain a UEFA license to play in the Europa League. Um, a little bit of justice there. Morirens had a great season, but they did not even get, you know, the Federation also deserves the blame for this, but they did not get the team registered properly in order to play in the Europa League. So um, even though they had been in fifth for a long time, they would not have gone. Sixth place was going to take the spot due to that. But in, in uh, sporting, in the case of sporting justice, I suppose, Vitori Guimarães takes fifth place um, from a sporting um uh, stance by finishing ahead on goal difference and um winning that fifth place and not going because of a because of a legislative reason Moreira's sixth also on 52 points seventh was Hiwav Hiwav new coach coming in I believe that I've heard is going to be the mentor of Bruno Lage that's right one of the mentors I should say of Bruno Lage Carlos Carvalhal to take over Hiwav and Hiwav is a project that's going to be interesting to watch in the coming seasons they're going to Try to challenge, you know, to get up. They're gonna try to challenge the big three or big four if you include Braga. Um, we'll see. We'll see what comes of 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 Hiwav. They got a great manager if they've got Carlos Carvalhal, and um, if they can, you know, he can spot talent. They're gonna build a good team. They'll be interesting to watch next season. Hiwav. Boavista was eighth, forty-four points. Bulanes Sad. 43, Santa Clara 10th on 42, their best finish in club history in the first division. Maritimo in 11th, 39 points. Portimonense also on 39 points in 12th. Vitoria Stubal, 36 points in 13th. Sportiv de Zavj also on 36 in 14th. Tondela with their big win on the final day of the league season over Shavj. Overtake them, take 15th place, safe for another season. Tondela does it again. Peppa has left the club, however. They will have a new manager coming in next season. Um, 
in Tondela on 35 points, 15th, and relegated Chaves, 16th, 32 points, Nacional, 17th, 28, and Feirense relegated also 20 points in last place. Let's take a And that is the 2018-19 Liga Nage season Benfica champions for the 37th time. And this is episode 19 of Mr. Benfica. It has been a pleasure to relive this season with you. Don't forget, next week we will be back. We're not taking the summer off like I had already said. So here's what we're going to be watching next week. Next week we're going to be talking about a documentary on a Benfica legend. That's right. If you go to YouTube, I'll post the link. Um, and YouTube has the full documentary. It's called Eusebio Pantera Negra. All right. We're going to watch it. I'll talk about it next week. And we will be right back at the same uh, in the same place. All right. Next week where you normally find us at all the same normal platforms. Also, don't forget to check out the PTB Soccer Network. All right. I've got a Mr. Portugal episode up there, a brand new one. All right. And I'm going to have another one coming up shortly. Okay. We're talking UEFA Nations League. Portugal in the final tomorrow versus the Netherlands. You'll get my thoughts on that as well. All right, so it has been a pleasure bringing week-by-week opinion and feedback to you. It's been a pleasure getting feedback from you as well. I have enjoyed every bit of the ride, and I can't wait for 2019-2020 to begin. But until then, we're still going to have some stuff to talk about. We're going to have some fun this summer. All right, this is... The Mr. Benfica Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Benfica, Mike Agustino. And you can find me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. And on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. Search for me on Facebook if you like. It's Mr. Space Benfica. You can find me there. All right. We're going to sign out for this week. All right. It's Carrega Benfica. Carrega Benfica. Damu 38. Goodbye, everybody.